Welcome back to the Reset Rebel podcast with me, Joe Yule. And for this week's episode, I'm based at Yoga Fit, a festival that has been on my to-do list or my hit list for an extremely long time. So I'm really grateful um, to be actually finally making it uh, at the hotel in Esfigurel. And we're sitting here overlooking this beautiful horizon by a stunning infinity pool. Um, and the very first guest that we are actually inviting on to this episode is Rachel Holmes. Thank you so much for coming straight off the amazing stage or the sun stage and um, coming straight into an interview. How was the class? The class was amazing. To say it was so hot, um, everyone was really up for it. It was really good fun. Yeah, really fab class. Enjoyed it. Hot though. Very warm, definitely. <laughs> I was on two classes before, right in the peak of the day at 2.30 and um, yeah, it's been very moist. Yeah, very moist. <laughs> good way of putting it. <laughs> so you've been a fitness professional for... Three and a half at uh, thirty-five years, I think, well, three and a half decades. So, how do you know? How does it feel to be in Ibiza, sort of teaching these classes this far down the road? If I thought back when I started teaching aerobics when I was seventeen that I would be in Ibiza teaching these classes, I would have never believed it. I mean, in nineteen eighty-seven, there was no fitness industry, there was no retreats, there was nothing like this. Um, so, fast forward all these years later to be here, it's phenomenal. That's a really good point, actually, because I started teaching yoga 10 years ago and I tried to make it like a full time thing and it didn't work out for me because I just don't think yoga, you know, like just over a decade ago was really happening in the way that it is now. So that's a really interesting point. What was it like when you started out back then? Well, it was like the Wild West then. <laughs> I mean, there was only Jane Fonda, really, and Jamie Lee Curtis on a movie called Perfect. That's a long time ago. Um, and there wasn't a fitness industry, so it was literally higher schools, halls. There was not even any health clubs. There, wasn't, there was gyms, what you would say, spit and sawdust type, bodybuilding, Joe Weeder type gyms and leisure centres. But there was no fitness industry to speak of. So we all just really just got on with it, taught classes, hired space i mean they were the days of hundreds of people showing up to do aerobics and leotards and pineapple leggings and etc and it was wonderful wonderful and i think i'm blessed that i was in there from the beginning and i've been able to you know have a really wide and variety of a career um since starting in, in 87 so you were one of the pioneers of spandex then yeah definitely <laughs> yeah i think so yeah <laughs> I mean, I remember all those fitness shows actually on TV. I mean, you had uh, Mr. Motivator yeah. and we had um, another amazing woman. I'm trying to remember. I think she was on GMTV doing the morning. Lizzie. The morning. Mad Lizzie. And there was an Australian show in the morning. I don't know if you remember where there was three girls, Australian, Oz Aerobics, And they were on, on, I think they may have been on cable at the time. But yeah, it was, it was early days. So how difficult was it to carve out a, a pro career out of that and get to kind of where you are now doing like TV shows? You've created your own sports, Pilates, um, exercise routine and classes. That's kind of, you know, that's a big journey. Yeah, it was. We were lucky at the time. There was not even any any apparel. There wasn't any footwear. And it was the time when Reebok and Nike were just starting. I mean, they were completely male focused. So in the late 80s, they realized that women were a potential market so they Reebok came up with a shoe the Reebok Freestyle and Nike came up with a competitive shoe and they took a team of young upstart aerobics instructors from around the UK or different areas of the country and they made a team out of us and we went to shopping malls and 
leisure centres and sports shops and, and basically started promoting their, their original shoe. So from then it became, you know, there were conventions and events uh, and we started travelling around the world into the into the Europe, in the US. We went to Beaverton in, in, in the US where Nike was based. Um, and the whole industry just really grew up around us, sponsorship. Um, yeah, it's phenomenal when you look back. It's been a phenomenal journey. Um, and it's, it's enabled me to build up a, a big community of instructors. Many of the instructors here have been following me for 20, 25 years, even longer. A lot of them are here and a lot of the girls who I originally were part of the Nike team are also on this team now. So we've had a very long career and hopefully many more to come. Well, I think, you know, longevity in the wellness industry seems to be, you know, a real thing because there is just so much focus on wellness now and everybody you know obviously Instagram helps with everybody being so kind of self-obsessed and posting pictures of themselves (laughs) looking incredible um but I think yeah it's an interesting thing I mean I don't why why do you think you know this has taken such a kind of turn for the better in that if you will I think it was the rise of social media and the rise of the internet so before the internet 25 years ago 20 years ago it was everything was face to face but with the internet it opens up everybody's horizons to see what other people are doing in other countries and then we have social media and we can again it just enables you to see a bigger audience um, people find communities what they like um, and I think that's enabled the fitness and the well-being industry to really really flourish. So why did you decide to develop Pilates specifically? Yeah because we were yoga was I mean again when you think back yoga wasn't it wasn't even in health clubs it wasn't part of the gym timetable um, and that's quite recent really only sort of the last 15-20 years have has yoga started to come into the fitness industry and the two have become a little bit blurred and it was the same for Pilates Pilates was very much dance based dancer based um, and slowly people were realizing that this form of exercise could be so beneficial for anyone with an injury and back problems and it seemed to be a nice transition to getting the sedentary into group exercise so if you remember high impact aerobics it was quite elitist very difficult you needed to be fit before you started things like pilates much more gentle it opened up the fitness industry group exercise to a much wider audience um so i saw that concept and saw it when it was still very much dance based still very specialist but then i realized that there was an option to perhaps create it as a more group exercise format make it like of uh, to music uh, and develop fitness pilates which is a sort of a hybrid model of original teachings of pilates with sort of common anatomy and physiology and the workings of the body that we know now I mean, I think a lot of Pilates in Ibiza uh, happens kind of one-to-one on these sort of like machines. Um, And I think it's quite interesting what you say there about building the community and, uh, you know, anybody from any walk of life with a bad back or not can can come to these classes. And I I feel like, you know, you do these things at home or to a video or whatever. I mean, it's effective. I think obviously we learned that in lockdown. But I also think there's just something magical about coming to a festival like this and sharing that in a massive group of people like I mean I don't even know how many hundreds of people here but it feels like a lot 200 people here Uh, the magic of group exercise the power of of humans in a room all moving together doing the same thing to music it's phenomenal I mean we've been doing it since the stone ages it's part of who we are Um, and uh, definitely Pilates is a fantastic way of doing one-to-one on all the Pilates reformers and machinery but I've always wanted to break down those barriers and make it accessible for anybody so anyone can come it's not elitist anyone could come take a class and feel included and feel that they could do something and they could take a step forward with their own movement and health and well-being 
Have you seen any specific sort of transformations through the people you've worked with? Hundreds. <laughs> Hundreds. So many people, sedentary, very stressed, start to come to... I mean, there's people here this, this weekend who... I've been speaking to doctors, lawyers, bankers you know very high powered people who are just coming here and some have never done any exercise for years you know they've been so busy with their careers and their their lives and very feeling very stressed and looking for a career change so you on especially this weekend you're seeing people all the time who are having real epiphanies around what they're doing with their life and, and how they're moving forward yeah and from a physical standpoint I mean you can't help but be touched by Pilates when you do it regularly your posture improves your back strength your shoulder strength your flexibility your core strength you know and it happens really quickly you know after a series of a few sessions you do see see the benefits I mean why does everybody have a bad back these days (laughs) because we're all sitting down (laughs) we're all sitting and even more now so many people are working from home they're driving working long hours at computers looking at their phones everybody's in this very hunched kyphotic position so pilates completely takes you back out of that so yeah i mean more than ever um, we're seeing so many people who have got uh, chronic illnesses through lack of movement and lack of exercise so this is a pilates is a wonderful way of getting people moving and exercising what was it like that you know in the first obviously everybody had kind of learned to do their own thing at home but have you kind of seen after lockdown some like really nasty little habits that have maybe built up and you kind of see people in your classes like wondering you know have you been in sort of corrective mode ever since yes very much in corrective mode but also I think it was everybody getting back together was phenomenal when we've not been exercising together for so long and then all coming together but it has taken a few years it's taken three years really for for things to feel normal again Um, and I think it's only this year that we've actually noticed people feeling and embracing group exercise and feeling confident um, and back to normal so it's taken a while and what was that first yoga fit like after lockdown when you finally all got back together again emotional extremely emotional because we'd all been through so much lockdown happened just just before the retreat was going to happen in the April as the UK went into lockdown at the end of March we were all flying here two weeks later so it was very stressful very upsetting Um, and the same as everybody we thought we'd be back in October but we weren't and then we weren't again the following year so when we all did come back together it was just amazing. What's the thing you love most about coming here to Yoga Fit because this is your seventh festival? Well, you live in Ibiza. There's something about Ibiza. I don't know what it is. You get off that plane, and I've taught all over the world in lots of beautiful places, but there's something about Ibiza. I don't know what it is. You get off the plane, you see the sign, you feel the magic, um, and there's always magic happens here. It's just, I don't know what it is. You know. There's something about Ibiza. When people come together, move, music, the freeness, it's, 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 it's a recipe for feeling phenomenal. Have you done anybody else's classes during this retreat? Yes, I've done lots of cla- <laughs> I've done lots of classes. I'm not a yogi, so I like to watch the yogis. But I've done some of the conditioning classes. I've taught mind body conditioning. Uh, I've taught not just Pilates, core conditioning. I've taught some flexibility work. Um, I like mobility work, so I've taught that as well while I've been here. You just reminded me actually. My friend came to your core class, and he's still unable to breathe. Oh, really? That was a good one. It was a good class. <laughs> and you finished him off. Oh, really? Did I? <laughs> In a good way. I mean, he needed it. <laughs> and what have you got planned after after leaving Yoga Fit? Because you're here for a few days extra. Yeah, we go back. We're back on the road, actually. We um, Prior to lockdown, we were travelling around the country doing workshops, masterclasses and events, which all closed down. Um, and events have come back into the UK now. So we're back um, 
everywhere from Guildford to Manchester to Birmingham to Nottingham to Southampton. Again, all teacher training, so teachers. We used to do a lot of regional workshops for, for Group X, which went away, but now they're back this year, all sold out. People are dying to get back together. Yeah. That's amazing. I just can't, I can't get over the volume of people that are training to be yoga teachers and movement specialists and, you know, gym coaches. It's, it's kind of epic. We, I mean, I run a, a training program, a Pilates training program in lockdown, and I've been doing that for 20, 25 years. And in lockdown, we trained more people over the two years of lockdown than I've trained in almost 18 years of running courses. We were running courses every weekend. So many people wanted a change of direction and perhaps we were attending yoga or pilates and decided that they wanted to teach um and so we were so busy with the training courses so now we're going out doing additional training and and, and building our community with our classes now so we're kind of building on that that happened in the lockdown who's your fitness icon oh that's a good question i think Lindsay. <laughs> i agree she is special <laughs> and having this vision um, of yoga fit and I've known Lindsay many many years having this whole vision and actually it all coming together through difficult situations with the lockdown and then to come out the other side with it I mean a phenomenal hotel phenomenal people it's it's a uh, testament to her I agree and um, yeah I don't know if you did were you in Akasha last night when she was doing her flow no, dance meditation no I wasn't there <laughs> was you there yeah I mean just watching her Amazing. like literally on top of the DJ booth dancing yeah. in a in a cat suit, I was just like, that is an image I will keep with me for a long time. She looked amazing. Yeah, she is amazing. Thank you so much for joining uh, us on the Reset Rebel podcast. And yeah, I hope to see you next year. You will do. Thank you, Joe. Hi, my name's Nathan. I'm a music curator. I run a business called Genre Music. And I am co-founder of Floor Dance Meditation with Lindsay. So obviously we've seen you at several um, different points across the festival um, doing what you do best, DJing, but just looking like probably one of the happiest DJs I I think I've ever seen um, at 7.30 in the morning. I mean, it's not really that, um, you know, obvious for a DJ to be starting work at at 7.30 a.m., but you you did it with a smile on your face and with so much grace. It was beautiful to watch. Oh, thank you. Uh, Music is my driver. It's my my drug and to be honest as I've got older I've always been connected with wellness but I find it so amazing now to soundtrack those moments so that's why I smile so much because I'm quite really blessed to actually be playing music that I love in an amazing environment but also to people who are feeling it in a very different way to obviously how I used to play music in nightclubs etc. So I think we were talking also the other day um, at breakfast about our mutual friend Nick Johnson who also gave a TED talk last month about you know the power of music and the way it affects people and their emotions and you know obviously in the space that you guys created through the flow dance meditation that's you know a very different environment I guess to the way music is you know traditionally if you will listened to on an island like this one so you know can you talk to us about what you kind of witness when you kind of watch people going through that process? Wow yeah music is so powerful it gets all of the brain working it's amazing for health which people don't tend to realize and it really is sensory and obviously 
our ears obviously there one of the senses but as it goes deep music you really see the power of it with flow dance meditation because Lindsay's guided meditation people really dropping in and the music I use I use electronica that's just got lots of textures lots of different levels of EQ to make people react a certain way and I've been <laughs> so blown away for the last few years of doing flow dance meditation and again on this retreat People can do it immersed in headphones, as a kind of silent disco format, or in a nightclub like Akasha. People really feel it. They really do drop in. And I've done the practice myself when we ran a retreat in the UK last year. We did a pre-record. And the power for me is the release section at the end. You can go through these the motions of letting your body naturally move, but then that grounding at the end to just let things go. And actually, as a facilitator, DJ... I've seen people break down, not in a negative way, but they're letting things go. And I've seen people so ecstatic and euphoric without any other substances that may be associated with club culture, but using club music in a meditative state. It's just amazing. And also for me, I mean, flow isn't just dance music. We start quite relaxed and we end very Shavasana-like. And that for me is again about being a DJ knitting together the right music that takes people on a journey uh, and physically watching it it makes me just really proud and actually this morning on the beach I did a practice and I looked up and I was like this is quite good this <laughs> it really works and people are really engaged and I'm like going oh well done that was a bit of gratitude for myself and for what Lindsay have persisted to go this is really good we want to share this uh and it is, you know, been really well received this retreat, more so than the last ones, because no one really knew what it was. And we've talked about it a bit more and people seem ready now, actually, because ecstatic dance is there, obviously, as a, as a movement. But I don't think it's in that commercial realm. And that's what we're trying to do with flow dance meditation is to get it into that in commercial setting and commercial kind of viewpoint to go. I can also dance and just let myself go and be healed by meditation. And, you know, fortunately now, I used to work in health and fitness, meditation wasn't even talked about. It was Zumba and body pump, etc. And now it's, it's mainstream. You can get the app on your phone and you can wake up in the morning and everyone is now starting to connect with themselves properly. And that's just being a part of that in a small way with flow dance meditation is, is, is I, what I see. They're definitely the next 10 years for myself with running my business and then flow it's a great journey for me because I'm 45 now and I think, wow, what an amazing next step as a DJ. I can kind of go on this route. It's really exciting. I think it's interesting because I think, you know, when people talk about the word meditation, you kind of, you know, you still have this visual in your mind of someone sitting cross-legged on a cushion being, you know, stock still and kind of with their eyes closed. And for me, that never really worked as a practice necessarily. I'm a bit of a, a fidget bum. And, you know, I always used to say that actually going for my morning walk in nature or being you know on the move without my phone was was a meditation and no one could really kind of believe that I was kind of describing it in that way and I think to see the you know evolution of of music coming through you know this genre of kind of wellness in the way that it's come to the fore is is amazing and beautiful and you know I don't think meditation necessarily needs you know other than the actual physical label it can look you know like a lot of different formats and I think you know that's really been shown uh, and showcased here at Yoga Fit 
and definitely been one of the things that I've enjoyed the most out of the program. Um, obviously, I went to the one at Akasha. Sadly, I couldn't make the one on the beach this morning because it was full when I tried to sign up. But I think um, I'd love to know, where do you think it works best? Like in a nightclub or on the beach with your feet grounded in the earth and getting earthed? Going to your point of meditation, I totally agree. You, it is just being at one with self. And I think walking in nature, great. I take my dogs out every day, but sometimes with music, sometimes without music. I think you can get lost in, you need to lay still for 10 minutes and not think about anything. And that's why guided meditation for me, accompanied by music really works because my mind is very busy and I find it very hard to switch it off. So it really is, it kind of aligns with me as well as a, as a, as a consumer. For me, the best location is where the, con- where the participant is the most comfortable. As a DJ, of course, I love DJing in Akasha. It's an amazing space. Like being surrounded by all those beautiful souls and that energy in the room. And I purposefully made a couple of tracks a bit sticky and then some more euphoric ones because I wanted those rise and falls. But you can kind of do that in obviously a nightclub setting because you've got a sound system that kind of really feeds it. For me, as a, as a personal practice, anyone doing it with, they have to do it with good headphones so they can really get immersed in it. And the beach was quite hard for me because I've got a bit of a knee injury. So it wasn't as comfortable as maybe other spaces. And that's why I think personally, people need to experiment with it. And the beauty of it is you can do it in your own bedroom where you feel is your safe space with headphones on. Or you could maybe go to an event where it's happening and it's loud and live. And actually from the participants on the beach this morning, people had done Akasha and this one. And they got very different experiences out of it also, even though it was the same practice, because this one they felt a bit calmer, whereas the club was more euphoric. The music wasn't really any different, but it's more that thing of where they were setting and the time of day, et cetera, et cetera. So I can't really give the best answer, but for me, I mean, I love doing it with a sound system and not being locked in my headphones as the DJ, but the participants, I've seen them drop deeper wearing the silent disco headphones or personally doing themselves with headphones it's also that control i like music loud maybe it's because i'm turned deaf from years and years of djing but i need to feel it and i want it loud some people will be like that's a bit harsh if i handed them my headphones but if they've got the control then they are fully in control of their flow dance meditation and they go right i want to do it in this environment at that volume and that helps me uh, and for, definitely for the home practices, as we they're now going on the website, and we want people to be able to utilize them at home. We know people have very busy lives, so it's finding that that space. I've also done it laid on a bed, where I'm not dancing. I'm letting the music be there, and I'm letting the words be there. Your fingers may move, your toes may move a little bit, but I'm still using it as a guided meditation. Mm-hmm. And again, there's nothing really in the market at the moment that mm-hmm. accompanies the music and and Lindsay's words she's she's brilliant she's so good at holding space so we 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 found a nice bit of magic I think the one for me uh on the terrace with the headphones as you said before is you know was a much more internalized experience than for example at Akasha without headphones I mean I think anything with headphones on when you're listening to a podcast like obviously people are now is the same experience of of that intimacy like being kind of up close and personal in someone's ear is a very different thing to experiencing sound you know across the board in a more open space and I felt much more connected to my own 
my own inner dialogue really with my body that I was having like a conversation and obviously I think well personally obviously just being English I feel like yeah when you enter that space at the very beginning there's always that slightly awkward moment of being a witness completely stone cold sober which might not have been your previous you know kind of experience with with dancing in that way and then suddenly you just kind of lose all your inhibitions really and it might take two or three minutes it could take 15 or 20 minutes depending on your mood I think but suddenly every single time I force myself to go when every bone in my body is screaming that I really don't want to go to five rhythms or whatever it is but when I get there something amazing happens and I leave that place well within 10 minutes I've got a massive grin on my face and it sounds really cheesy but that is just the reality of the situation and every time I looked around me just everyone was just yeah just having their own wild ride and letting go like you say, just of that barrier that we all put up because we need to be seen a certain way, we should be behaving a certain way and am I comfortable in letting myself be seen? And actually Yoga Fit holds us such a great cocoon for people in that way and I've seen it for the, the last few years of coming and being part of the team. People do arrive on the first day and they're a little bit shy and nervous and then they try maybe some of the classes that they would never get in the UK at the moment, you know, or they go see a facilitator or a talk. By day three, people are putting the silent disco headphones on and really letting go. And you go, right, that's amazing. I just hope they take it back. And that's again why we're trying to put it together so people can have flow dance meditation. It doesn't have to just be on the terrace here a couple of times a year. And obviously COVID was horrendous for a lot of people being locked in, but the wellness industry boomed in the sense of online presence. And DJ did for a little bit with streaming, etc. That's just because everyone was like, I need to play. But wellness has remained in that space quite well. And it was always there with Gaia and Commune and these kind of different programs. But the accessibility to amazing instructors anywhere in the world, that then you, when you are by yourself, you can do a yoga class with someone filmed from Ibiza or you know California is still engaging enough Adrienne smashed it with the yoga thing and she's got a great presence and stuff and I do feel that it is that safe space that you create some people love group exercise but actually I think for yoga and things you can just practice it by yourself and the meditations with that as well and I think if people can just take away the barrier leave it here we went to the goddess, obviously the goddess caves happened this week and then also we went to Esvedra yesterday and we let people just leave stuff in the cave. Hermit cave can have it and then move forward, let the magnetic energy of Esvedra take you forward. Uh, and that was really powerful meditation yesterday, uh, not with Flo but just with Sarah and Lindsay and a group of people from the retreat that had never been there and felt the energy of Esvedra which, you know, I'm so connected to this island. This is my spiritual home and I know I will be here one day. I've got three beautiful children that I'm nurturing to bring up and the time is just not right, you know? So when the time is there, Ibiza will be here for me. <laughs> what is it about, you know, playing music on Ibiza that you feel is a little bit different? Because you say you're off to Berlin shortly after this, this, this festival and you live in London or you live in England up north somewhere. What is, what is it that, you know, you find here that you maybe don't experience in other spaces? Yeah, it, it's the DNA of the island for me. It's carved in. I, I drove past some builders the other day because I was at one of my clients that's not open yet. And they didn't have Capital FM on or Kiss. 
They had this really great deep tech groove off this little boom speaker. And it's just a bunch of builders. They are so embedded in quality music on this island. I get here, I arrive, I stick Sonica on, I put Open Lab on, I can put Ibiza Pure on. And I'm like, and I'm shazamming as I'm driving going Neff you really shouldn't be shazamming but I'm just like oh man there's just so much music I'm completely inspired as a music consultant I kind of it feeds me really well and then obviously when the clubs thing happens Akasha is an amazing space and then you know I love going to Cova Santa and dancing outside I can do things here that I can't do in other parts of the world even Citrix, uh, you know, like, silly this beach. I can just dance with the sun bouncing on my chest and I can just groove and everyone's like, and it's just, the, there's the energy of the people are here around music. It's more challenging as a DJ here as well, which I quite like because people are educated here. It's not the same. And I do play, I play in London a lot and I play in Manchester a lot still. And I'm playing in Berlin this weekend. I have got a very, very Balearic sound now, even with my house music. People are like, oh, I feel like I'm in Ibiza or Mykonos. I've got a very, my rounded sound to this island. But the beauty of that, Ibiza brand, the island and the music is global. So I'm happy to have that sound (laughs) because I love it. And that occurs from the really chilled, mellow stuff that is Balearic. And just beautiful music that sounds good in the sun. And that's like my playlist in for the restaurants and hotels like Nobu. It's not house music in the daytime. It's beautiful Balearic music that builds into that in the evening. Uh, And then as a DJ going out and really experiencing the best nightclubs in the world. Uh, Why wouldn't I love it? I mean, you, you talk about Balearic music there and I've had like John Satrincher on the podcast and just the other week, Pete Gooding was on the other week talking about, you know, working with Jose Padilla and the fact that actually, you know, when you kind of, cra- you know, when they were both crafting those kinds of sounds back in the, you know, the late 70s or the 80s, um, there was really quite a lack of records on Ibiza because of the Franco rules. You actually physically couldn't get the records that you wanted. So actually part of the, you know, Balearic Groove, if you like, was created from, you know, a lack of having the kind of sounds or music that they actually needed access to. So I thought that was quite fascinating, really. But I'd be interested to hear about your own perception of it. I think for me, I'm what, I'm 45. I missed some of that early days uh which Pete's obviously a bit older than myself. Good friend, so I'm allowed to say that on the podcast. Uh, but for me, I think it's the creativity of those DJs. Like Alfredo, Jose Padilla, of soundtracking. And actually, that's all I do. I, I don't actually call myself a DJ anymore. People say, do you still DJ? And I actually don't. I don't really play clubs anymore. I do floor dance meditation. I do some bars and restaurants, which are generally clients of mine. I love soundtracking. And actually, you talked about Sunrise. That's me soundtracking that moment. And that's what I do as a DJ. And I think that's what all great Balearic DJs do. They look at what's in front of them and then they create a soundtrack for the environmentals around them. And that could be the nature that they can see or it could be... And Sunsets is obviously the key moment of that. Like, what an amazing experience. I've DJed at the Torre for a sunset and, oh my God, you know, soundtracking, what I feel is such a, an amazing spiritual moment and being able to, like I say, put that in a track <laughs> and then what's the one that, as the moon rises, you go, and I played on a rooftop the other day and sundown and all the sky goes pink. Like, I'm just like, wow, I'm a part of this little moment. <laughs> uh 
the creativity around the records I didn't know myself. I think that's really interesting, but that's why some of the B-sides of some amazing Latin records became amazing Balearic classics, because that was the records that maybe those guys had in their, their, their stock. There's, I bet now, though, <laughs> there's some amazing records on this island, locked in garages, in attics, from DJs of past and have gone, that have kind of lived on here and brought records over and then forgotten them or left them at the airport. Imagine lost and found at the airport with a record collection that they must have. Wow, that'd be a cool podcast. If I go through that, if you ever want a DJ to go through the lost and found at Ibiza Airport, in the records, obviously. I'm sure there's all sorts of stuff there. I just have to identify this sound that keeps happening. It sounds like possibly one of us is having some digestive issues. It's actually a bed being moved in the bedroom next door so just uh, just if anyone's wondering what that what that sound is I mean lastly I think it's quite intriguing what you just said there and it's something I've thought quite deeply about more recently like how you know as we talked about in these different kinds of environments eyes open eyes closed with the headphones on without in nature in a you know on the dance floor how can you add something to that moment rather than take something away because I think when you're in you know, nature and you're watching a sunrise or a sunset, I don't, you know, I think a lot of people just think, well, how, you know, how can you make that moment better? But, you know, I've seen so many sunrises and so so many sunsets with them. Um... <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't the best. It just a distant fart. <laughs> How do you make a sunrise better with a distant fart? Uh, Discuss. <laughs> yeah. Well, we can make it a lot worse in those situations when you sat on a yoga mat and someone's coughing out the pants. But uh, joking aside, I think... <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can ruin those moments with the wrong track. She's gone. The podcast's over. <laughs> I once a funny story on that. I used to personal train many years ago. So I used to work in the fitness industry, and uh, a gentleman did a rather large pump when he was on a squat rack. It does happen with exercise. <laughs> so I've seen DJs completely ruin those moments. In the, in, the, in the ambient settings of trying to create a moment. <laughs> you could just see someone in the yoga mat, can't you go like that? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Just... I love it. <laughs> I just can't stop thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, Sarah at the front part. <laughs> uh, it's been a bit of that this weekend, they really has, this week. What, loads of farts? I have heard of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's why you... Somebody even said they had a bag of nuts before my class yesterday and I got them up in a shoulder stand oh, and they really? chose not to go up because they knew what was going to happen. I was like, well, thank you for saving me from that. Exactly. That like wouldn't have been appreciated. <laughs> like blowing. <laughs> Get rid of that. Sorry, adding and taking away. Go for it. I think a DJ can add, or actually a live musician can add so much to those moments. So let's use Latoria as an example. Sun's beautifully going down. The restaurant's busy. 
there's a kind of five minute pause that the sound in the venue changes because people are really anticipating the sun going down. And if the DJ was playing the wrong track at that moment, the staff would be like, what is going on? The customers would be like, what am I going on? And actually potentially miss what is nature's best. But being able to soundtrack it with the right volumes and the right track. And actually, you know, Pete, again, we've talked about it a lot certain lengths of tracks and he's a complete geek and he'll won't mind me saying that regarding the length of tracks the date of tracks and this and the other he knew in the high season how long it took for when the sun hit the sea and until it plopped in so he was like right okay i need that four minute section of that track for that moment and it was kind of totally soundtracked around the sun going from hitting the sea to disappearing and then the energy of the track lifting, or actually not, just letting it actually phase out and then go, right, oh, pink sky, let's let it go. Uh, and kind of being a bit of a conductor in those moments of someone else's art. And as DJs, we are very blessed that we are able to play lots of people's art. And like, what do we play in those moments where we've got nature's finest art to soundtrack? Getting it wrong is just playing the wrong track. Or the wrong volumes are really important and it's again just finding that balance point that's right for the moment and I love that though in busy places where and you know the Sunset Strip is infamous it's got a different energy now than maybe it had you know back in the day but it's still people are going there for that precious moment and Cafe Del Mar do it amazing Ken Fan's an amazing DJ you know and you know the Mambo guys they have a good sunset DJ and then they turn the energy up and they go right let's turn the sunset strip let's the bohemian night of Ibiza come alive that's actually another moment I really love about Ibiza and sunsets here is yes there's this special point in the day that then opens a door to the second day of Ibiza particularly in the high season and there's this island's energy shifts and you go right there's an opportunity here for loads of fun and potentially not any sleep you know but amazing that's what it's we're they're here to live you know uh and yeah getting it wrong it's probably just you know dropping a fart on a yoga mat really that's a bit like... <laughs> let's not go back to that it's taken me about 10 minutes to recover from the last one um i think you know you're just setting a precedent for what's to come essentially you're the precursor to you know, as you said, this night of, of unexpected hedonism and you never really quite know what's going to happen in the night ahead. And there's actually a hilarious um, Italian restaurant on Formentera called Ten Punto Seven, which is one of my absolute favourite views at sunset on um, Formentera. And it's not directly in front of the sunset. It's not overlooking Esvedra. It's on Mijon. But there's this really over-the-top guy who owns the restaurant and he always plays Nelson Dorma. And I just think he just he does it every single night and it never ever gets boring i've seen it quite a few times and uh yeah it's just magical like you know as you say you're just choosing the soundtrack as a piece of art that is a stunning piece of art and yes we all know it and it now lives in the classic dna of music but actually if you were to listen to it and not a little snippet that's been used on an advertisement or a lot not like I don't know, on Champions League as teams come out, etc. If you physically listen to that piece of music, it is stunning orchestral music with a vocalist that is amazing. And no wonder he's a global star, because it is stunning. So actually, what a fitting way to go, dunk, 
seven minutes, have that, guys. And everyone's like, wow. And actually, a lot of people will have never heard that track in full because they don't listen to opera. So they then have that moment to go, oh, my God, that really works. <laughs> well done, Giuseppe, or whatever he's called. You know, cheers. And then as a, I'm sure there's a clap sometimes as the sun goes down. And then the energy shifts again. And I think for me... I'm just really blessed and you know I work really hard and a lot of my friends are like oh you just swan around you do this and the other I work seven days a week I'm traveling all the time I've got three kids two dogs a beautiful wife and I try and hold it all down actually but I do it with a smile on my face because actually what am I doing sometimes I'm getting stressed over putting a playlist together I'm like oh my god I've got a DJ there half past seven in the morning I'm like taking a photograph and sending it to my mates who are all traveling in London on the tube and they're like it's like (laughs) but Oh, you just swanning around. I said, actually, I got up at half six. I DJ'd. Then I went to see some clients. Then I did this. I got back that day at 11 o'clock at night after being really busy, but actually doing things I really enjoy. And I feel that are my purpose. So great. Well, thank you very much. I think, um, yeah, we've covered most of what I wanted to talk to you about. I think we'll have to do a longer episode on the flow dance meditation between you and Lindsay. I think that'd be really great to have you back. But thank you very much for joining us here on our special Yoga Fit Exploration. Hello, this is Joe Huse. Uh, I'm a yoga therapist and a meditation teacher, and I'm here at Yoga Fit Retreats. For the sixth time? For the sixth time, yeah, that's correct. So I did two before COVID and now four since. And how, you know, what is it that keeps you coming back every single year? I think so much like the Yoga Fit family, I would say, like uh, the uh, all the teachers here, we've become so friendly, and it's really nice every six months or so we come back and we touch base and... You know, it's like nothing's nothing's changed, all that sort of stuff. Um, and you can have such a depth of conversation here. There's this real openness and curiosity about each other's stories and, yeah, just a willingness to go to depth when it comes to conversation. You know, everyone's very relaxed here as well, which obviously helps, as you say, to dip below the surface of the, you know, the normal kind of small talk at, at dinner time or after class. And, yeah, I've, I've witnessed some very... Um, tender moments happening all around the space yeah yeah that happens all the time yeah and then aside from that you know like obviously it's a fantastic opportunity for me as a a yoga therapist and meditation teacher to come here and teach you know classes and workshops and all that sort of stuff Um, you know we're very fortunate here to be able to teach you know big classes and stuff like that and you know that's just a real pleasure a real joy too I came to your um, sunrise class on the very first morning on on Monday morning and I just couldn't help but think yeah what an amazing way to start a Monday when yeah, 95% of the world in the normal uh, Western environment are probably on a tube yeah. or, a, or a bus right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I was very, very lucky to teach that first uh, Sunrise Yoga class. We had a live DJ there, so it was quite an upbeat class, which, um, you know, most of my other classes here have been pretty chilled. They've been uh, more gentle yoga, breath work, meditation and stuff like that. Um, So it was a fun way to start and, you know, everyone who had just arrived was full of energy and stuff like that. So it was good to have a little bounce around and some dynamic yoga. 
Yeah, yeah it's like literally, I don't know how many people were in that class, but it seemed like a, a couple of hundred or something. And I was wading through the bodies yeah, in the mat. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, probably about two, 150, 200 in that one. Um, so again, like, you know, I never get to teach classes like that at home and it's just so much fun to, to do. Absolutely, it's nerve-wracking too. And, you know, I'm... Um, and well I'm quite an anxious man quite often and um, yeah I do get anxious before those but it's again another way to like meet those anxieties and you know in some way overcome them too so that's uh, from a personal perspective it's great for me for that too thanks for admitting that those things make you anxious because i felt extremely anxious before my classes on uh, Thursday and I you know feel like I've been teaching for about 10 years but I haven't actually taught for like a really long time it's yeah. like since I've kind of gone back to my old journalism career and, it, and I was feeling really like apprehensive about getting on I think it's the getting on stage thing for me it mm-hmm. feels like deeply uncomfortable with a microphone so it's quite yeah. interesting when you say that yeah yeah it is you know getting on stage and it's again it's not something you don't do regular classes at home um so yeah it's uncomfortable the mic as well there's there's this weird thing where it's like this m- m- minuscule little um what's the word buffer between when the words come out of your mouth and when they come out the speaker so at first it takes a little bit of getting used to I find anyway um but yeah for sure there's you know like I say I often start I taught teach a lot of yoga for anxiety and yoga for mental health stuff here too Uh, and I often start these things by saying that you know I'm super anxious you know about teaching these things um and I get that there's an irony in that because I'm teaching yoga therapy for anxiety um but I like to share it because I think all of us experience anxiety you know at some point in our lives and to some degree and I think the fact that all of us experience that means a few things it means that you know we definitely don't have to be embarrassed about it you know we definitely don't have to hide it from the world Um, and I always find with anxiety it's like my body's got these two tensions the first one comes from the anxiety itself and then the second one comes from this desire within me to put on a mask and pretend I'm not anxious and I think particularly that, you know, the second part is something, you know, we can let go of a little easier um, and to start with. And also the fact that all of us teachers and students, we all experience anxiety sometimes. It creates this kind of foundational atmosphere of acceptance about that thing. Um, and I think that goes a huge way in the sort of healing process too. Um, I don't know if you agree with that, but that's, yeah, something I've definitely felt in my experience. How, what, what were you sort of teaching in your um, yoga for anxiety classes? Was it like a sequence or is there kind of some tools or some takeaways that people can kind of tap into in those moments? Yeah, so it was exactly that, tools and takeaways. Um, so one of the uh, workshops I did here was a yoga therapy for mental health workshop. Um, and I was so excited when I saw that I was able to teach that on the program. But then there was this realisation that yoga therapy for mental health is so broad and there was this like oh shit moment you know am I allowed to swear (laughs) like an oh no moment maybe I should say of you know how do I include all this content that I that I can think of in my head and so what I decided to do was take okay what are the like four really good tools and takeaways that people can apply a in their formal practice so when they're on the yoga mat um, maybe in the morning to set themselves up with the kind of foundational calm for the day uh, but also be, you know, these little tools and you know, yoga therapeutic tools that we can use in those moments when we're feeling a little stressed or a little anxious. 
And so the things, the, the four tools I taught in my yoga therapy for mental health workshop was firstly grounding, simply, you know, feeling the feet on the ground. Um, I find that really, for me, takes me out of the story and, uh, and the mental rumination whirring um, and into like the moment and the body and kind of removes energy from that story, I find. And then we, we talked a bit, uh, the second tool was breath. Uh, so I talked a little bit about the physiology of the nervous system um, and how we could use very simple breath practices to, to calm us down. Um, so the, t- the two I mentioned in, in that particular section was firstly breathing down into the lower lungs and how that creates a more calm parasympathetic state and secondly breathing with a slightly extended exhalation. Um, so again I like to think grounding these little breath tools, things that you can apply in those moments. Uh, we also talked about uh, meditation, that was the kind of the third tool. What makes you anxious? What makes me anxious? Um, lots of things really. Um, so when it comes to, you know, yoga teaching, my, my profession, um, you know, there's always fears about ballsing up, you know, messing up and stuff like that. Um, you know, it, oftentimes it is this kind of fear of, you know, the judgment of others or um, what people might think about me. Um, and maybe underneath that there's a sense of, you know, maybe a personal sometimes feeling not good enough and then it's like oh no if x y or z thing happens then other people might think i'm not good enough too you know um if we go sort of with depth and an inquiry that's sort of what comes up for me um and so again you know circles back to what i said um at the start of this conversation it's like you can have real depth of conversation here and i was just talking about this this morning um, and there's one of the other guys here, he's a teacher and uh, a massage therapist here who I, you know, is a really inspiring person to me. And he was talking about confidence and how um, confidence isn't about, you know, getting everything right. Confidence is to do with your intention. So as long as you have a decent intention, then there's nothing to be worried about so much. Um, and that, you know, really hit home to me. Um, uh, he said, so, 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 "This is Javi de Gabriel, by any chance?" Javi de Gabriel, yeah, it is. Uh, so yeah, like he's one of those guys, you know. Like me as like a, a young man, you know, to be around people like that is, you know, really inspiring for me. Um, yeah, it is Javi de Gabriel, <laughs> cool guy. Yeah, I think yeah, maybe we need to get him on the podcast. I've, I've bumped into him a few times, but yeah, um, yeah. I've not really gotten to know him yet. I've obviously, you know, uh, encountered him on social media platforms but I've never met him firmly in the flesh until this festival so it's quite interesting for you to refer to him and I'm just kind of guessing (laughs) yeah it was a good guess and it was a correct one yeah so he's um yeah he's just really uh, really inspiring to me like I guess again as a man someone who's obviously very calm and grounded within themselves and he doesn't really have anything to prove there's none of this like kind of bravado that maybe you'd get in, in in some men in in normal life you know I'm, i don't know loads about this kind of world and the masculine and the feminine and stuff like that but i just know that you know he's someone who i look at and i think you know that's quite an inspiring um and person yeah why do you feel men you know perhaps put on these masks or feel like they have to um hmm, it's, it's a great question and i think i think what i've seen is that there's it there's probably uh maybe men who have maybe insecurities and there's probably oftentimes a movement in one or, or the other direction. 
So there's this movement towards more of like bravado and stuff like that. Um, and then there's also the other guys who kind of move towards maybe being a bit apologetic and um, I don't really know what word to use, but I probably definitely fell into that side, um, you know, wanting to really make myself small and unseen and stuff like that. And I think they're probably both manifestations. Again, it's not something I'm an expert on for sure, but probably both manifestations of an underlying insecurity. Um, and so one has this desire to like be brash and, and stuff like that in order to, you know, it's like a mask, isn't it? To prove worth in some way. Uh, and then the other way, it's like this desire to hide and therefore not be seen. Um, but yeah, probably underlying, I don't know, but probably underlying is an insecurity of some sort. Uh, and so coming to stuff like this where you get moments of presence and self-reflection is, is probably good for that, I would say. What, what kind of issues are men of your age group, do you think, sort of facing at the moment? Because, I mean, you know, in England, there's a, just a very real statistic that there's just such a huge, you know, chunk of men that, you know, are like not able to talk about these yeah, kinds yeah, of vulnerabilities yeah. and and ending their lives and it's just it's, so tragic yeah. to hear and I think that there's you know there's so much discourse that is possible in these kinds of spaces yeah. and places and to encourage people to have those conversations and you know dig a little bit mm-hmm. deeper beneath the surface as you've said mm-hmm. so sorry the question why men do you th- why do you think men are- well I mean it's important to to actually you know have these conversations and I feel like you know what do you do you think that this is kind of tackling that issue um so I guess the 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 challenges men face are I think probably pretty well documented and again I don't really definitely don't profess to be an expert on this topic but this inability to talk to one another and you know I definitely know what it's like growing up as a you know I was a teenager and I was anxious and I was having panic attacks and stuff but I was doing it in private and I definitely didn't want any of my friends to know about it um and that kind of probably um emphasizes the issue because not only is the issue there the anxiety and the panic but you're also worried about maybe showing it to someone again that's what I said a little bit about before um so I guess, you know, while it is well documented, it is worth reiterating that the issue probably is the fact that, you know, men don't really talk to one another as much. Um, and I am seeing that definitely as changing. Like, you know, I'm very blessed to, you know, have men in my life now who I definitely know I can speak to and stuff like that. And I hope they feel the same way about me. Um, so, yeah, I guess, you know, this inability to chat about it... Um, and even when you probably know that there is someone you can chat about it, it still feels awkward. I don't know why that is. Maybe that's to do with, you know, some form of conditioning and some feeling some feeling of a man should be a certain way. Um, so, yeah, I guess it's a combination of those things. A, maybe uh, um, feeling like they don't have anyone to speak to or B, feeling like, oh, even if I do have someone to speak to, it still feels awkward. And... You know, the truth of it is, like I say, I'm, I'm very blessed to have these people and it is still awkward and sometimes you have those conversations and it's sticky and uncomfortable and it doesn't come out the way you want it to and stuff like that. But I think more and more it becomes like a little bit easier. Again, just my own personal experience and not something I've ever studied or, you know, um, done before. But, um, yeah. Do you run those kinds of classes that you are teaching the workshop of back home in Jersey? 
Yeah, so I do um, yoga therapy workshops in Jersey. I also do, um, so I'm a yoga therapist. I also do eight-week courses um, for yoga therapy, um, specifically really mental health. That's, you know, my area of uh, particular interest. Uh, and then I work one-on-one with people too. Yoga therapy. And how does it feel to kind of bring that to Ibiza? Uh, feels amazing actually um, I was saying to someone just I had a yoga th- my yoga therapy for mental health workshop yesterday and um, it was long workshops we had an interlude in the middle and I went to the bathroom and the workshop was going really well and everyone was really engaged and asking questions and stuff like that and I caught myself in the mirror just with a big smile on my face so it feels good and um, a bit nerdy definitely as well um, but yeah it feels good yeah for sure how, how is it nerdy? Uh, well, because the stuff I'm particularly interested in is like the science of it. Um, so this particular group were really interested in that yesterday. We talked a little bit about the start, about what you'd like to get uh, from the workshop. Um, and this kind of theme kept getting, coming, up, coming up, learning why is yoga so powerful and stuff like that. Um, and so we were going quite deep into like the nervous system and how breathwork impacts upon the nervous system and stuff like that. How mindfulness impacts upon the brain. Um, so I guess it's nerdy in that way um, uh, yeah <laughs> so you've, you've studied all of that yeah I was very fortunate to do my yoga therapy training um, for an institute in London called the Minded Institute um, it was quite a long training uh, ended up being about three years because Covid kind of changed things a little bit um, and yeah my teacher amazing woman she uh, was formerly she went to Southeast Asia and became a Buddhist nun um, or was in monasteries at least for quite some time and then come back to the UK and really studied in huge depth uh, neuro, um, neurophysiology, respiratory physiology and, and the impacts upon, of yoga therapy on, upon both. Um, her name's Heather Mason, you know, really, really amazing woman and very fortunate to have learned from her. So, yeah, I studied that for the th- th- last three years, essentially. Yeah. Incredible. I mean, I went to India to do my trainings, but I think, yeah, I think the science was slightly lacking in some respects. We did a lot of philosophy, you know, philosophizing and, um, yeah, mudras and and a lot more kind of like traditional forms. But I feel like sometimes I would love to have gone a little bit deeper into those layers. So it's interesting to hear that those courses are available these days. Obviously, if you're starting to learn now, um, how old are you now? I'm 30, just, yeah, I'm 30, just about to turn 31. I heard vicious rumour that you found love at Yoga Fit. <laughs> that, yeah, that is correct, yeah. So Chanel, my partner, is also a, a teacher here at Yoga Fit. Um, we met um, actually on the first one we both came to, which was in April 2019. Uh, we, had met, we had met before that, um, exchanged a few messages and stuff like that, and then we both came to Yoga Fit. Um, and yeah that's when our relationship started and it's so nice again to sort of come back each time because people kind of remember us as kind of you get a yoga fit couple which is quite nice um so yeah i did find love at yoga fit (laughs) (laughs) if you're single out there yeah yeah it's cheesy as it may sound yeah um yeah yeah that's cute i like a little love story a bit flushed (laughs) 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 yeah <laughs> uh, I don't really know what else to, to say about that. Um, I think that's a good ending. Okay. Perfect. A happy ending. Happy ending, yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. <laughs> yeah.
So I'm here with Catherine Monaghan at YogaFit, overlooking the stunning bay of San Vicente. Sunset is shortly on its way, and it's an absolute pleasure to have you as our final guest of the YogaFit special episode. Thank you, Joe. Long overdue. Lovely to see you again, and thank you for the opportunity to have a conversation with you. So you're a bit of a YogaFit veteran. How many years have you been coming here? Um, three. Uh, basically, I started, um, actually my boyfriend was doing the meditations here um, and then he introduced me to Lindsay and we really connected and so I started to talk about quantum healing sessions. I'm an integrative quantum medicine teacher and practitioner. I also do kinesiology, clinical psychology and some other things and um, Lindsay felt that it would be really nice to expand the quantum healing into abundance. Um, and so what I've been doing at YogaFit last year and this year is to do one-to-one quantum healing sessions where we're looking at all the influences on the mind, body, soul. So like things like spiritual influences, psychic, psychological, emotional, metaphysical. A lot of people who get unwell, it's coming from the mind. It's coming from the thoughts. Okay. Um, and so I do one-to-one sessions which last an hour. And then I also have been doing group classes on clarity how to create clarity in your life and we're using again also the quantum methodology to show people how to create clarity using the body pendulum using the o-ring which is you put your thumb in between your forefinger and your thumb of the other hand and it's a yes and a no and people can look this up online it's called the o-ring um, and then a meditation that I had not done until this year, which was really great, was a meditation on abundance. And so basically everybody lay down and I introduced them to the concept of how to create visualization to manifest abundance. So this is all about imagination. And so four main things, imagination and focus and then feelings and then action. So imagine your ideal life. What does it look like? What does it look like in health, in wellness, in finance, in relationships? And to create this feeling, I basically talked them through all the different tactics and ways. Tactics is a sort of very business way of saying it. But I talked them through the different ways of creating this beautiful reality in their minds. So we're all the creators of our own universe. And a lot of people don't realize that the power is within them. Yeah, so I took them into their third eye. We had some beautiful music. And to create this ideal world in their imagination. And then I was explaining how we then focus on this. So where energy goes, energy flows. So it's really important that we don't have this beautiful vision in our mind's eye and then suddenly we get distracted by our work or we get distracted by other people's lives. We have to focus on our own life, on our own dreams, on our own manifestations. And when we focus, then things start to move. Okay? And then after that, I spoke about the feelings. So it's really important to have the feeling of your future you here right now. So how do we find this feeling? We think of the ideal situation. Let's just say I would like to have 10,000 euros in my bank account every month because every month I'm at 1,500 and then I've got 300 at the end of the month and I'm scrambling, for example, right? So my ideal scenario, what's my imaginated scenario? It's 10,000 euros. I'm focusing on this and then I'm very important to have this feeling how am I going to feel if I've got 10,000 euros in my bank account I'm going to feel excited I'm going to feel relieved I'm going to feel grateful I'm going to feel inspired what am I going to do with the 10,000 right and then it's to have 
the feeling and the intention. So the intention is, I would like to have 10,000 euros in my bank account and how am I going to feel? And then it's to take the action. So what am I going to do to get that 10,000? It's all very well having an imagination and a focus and feeling about it, but if we don't take any action, nothing happens. So I took them on a journey through opening a door and behind the door was their creator self. And their creator self had created their dream home, their dream relationship, their dream money, and their dream, basically, life. And so I took them through all of this, and at the end, we implemented the gratitude. The gratitude of feeling that I've got it now. And this is the most important thing. When you basically train the subconscious to feel the feelings of having what you really want now, this is how you then can manifest it into reality. Because the subconscious is feeling like it's already happened. There is no maybe. It's not maybe I'm pregnant. It's I am or I'm not. The, the ego, the human ego, is always putting in stories and this and that to confuse us or distract us. But the subconscious only knows yes or no. So this is my ideal life. This is how I want it. These are the actions I'm going to take. And I'm going to do it now. And how am I going to feel? I'm going to feel it now. I'm going to walk out the door with my crown on my head knowing that I'm creating this life, my ideal life, and how I feel everything I need to feel. And it sounds a little bit, it's too short to, to explain it all in, in this sort of interview. Um, but if you can do this every day and reinforce these feelings, reinforce this visualization, reinforce the intention and take the action, this becomes your new reality. How did it feel sharing something like that, particularly in this space, in Ibiza and with the kinds of people that come to the retreat? Well, it was very interesting here because in Ibiza we're all quite um, ethereal people, if I could say that. We're all dreamers. We all believe we can create our own reality. Um, and we are kind of, when I moved to Ibiza, I felt like I'd, I'd come to heaven. Because I saw an 80-year-old woman on the dance floor smoking a joint. And then saw a 19-year-old guy who just finished college. Then there's like, you know, another guy who's a hedge fund manager. And then there's a guy who owns a restaurant. And then there's a girl who does dancing with fire. And everybody's on the same dance floor. And it's all these free spirits that live here. And it's beautiful. And it's one of the reasons that I love here. Um, so when I meet all the people that come to YogaFit, a lot of them are from the UK. And they're from... People, they people with everyday jobs. You know, it's a, a woman who works as a typist in the office or it's somebody who teaches yoga or it's somebody who works in a bank. Um, and they have everyday lives that are far more, I would say, conservative and inverted commas normal than our lives. You know, they can't just get in the car and go and have a party till four and then wake up the next day and it's, it's kind of fine and they can get up at nine. They've got their job the next day. Um, and so what I find with people that come here is that they love the ability to try new things. So there's hit, there's yoga, there's quantum healing, there's dancing with headphones on in the middle of the morning when nobody sees you watching the sunrise. Um, and I feel that creating these experiences for them, it takes them out of their environment and their mindset that's closed and it expands their horizons, it expands their consciousness, and they're all so willing to learn and grow and learn more, and it's beautiful. And you see them at the beginning, and then you see them at the end, and they're like metamorphosized butterflies because they've learned more, they've grown more, they've let themselves go. So, Is that what Abitha did for you? Um, mm, mm, mm. I 
no it allowed me to be me it allowed me to find my way back to me so I uh, grew up with Catholic parents in South Africa and I was put in a convent school and everything was very strict and I always felt very uncomfortable and strange about it but I never understood why and then as I grew on my path I was always half in business half in wellness um, and uh, by leaving the UK and leaving where I was in the States and coming here I finally felt I could be me I could dance I felt I wasn't being judged I felt like here's a bunch of clowns on an island many successful many average many all different types of people and nobody was really judging you they just wanted to hang out and have a good time together and live life because life is short. I love the fact that we can hear in the background, I think with the end of the cacao ceremony, it sounds a little bit like we're sort of hanging out on the terrace at DC10. This is true. It's a pool party <laughs> with cacao and a deep house. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? I mean, I've just been watching it uh, unfold. It feels like a very good way to wrap up um, a very action-packed seven days. We need things like that that make us come back to ourselves and our centre and um, and just being grateful for being alive. Getting away from England and mainland countries and coming to an island where the weather's beautiful and everything's about music, healthy food, healthy mindset, it really is a nice week to reset. Well, I've had the absolute honour of being here right from the get-go and uh, yeah, I have absolutely loved every moment and it's been really incredible. So feels very fitting uh, to wrap up today's episode with you what's your kind of favorite thing about yoga fit and all the three festivals or retreats that you've attended my favorite thing i think to be honest it's the end and it's because everybody is in such a heightened vibrational state and they're so happy and then uh and it's dancing and uh, i just see people especially with Lindsay's way she does flow meditation people their spirits are free and they feel that they're capable of doing anything and they're going back to uh, their home knowing that they are they can create this in their own environment by themselves they can create and keep this feeling that they felt here they just have to remember it yeah how do you think you take that feeling home with you and, and keep it there and cultivate that when you need it when I do my sessions I always uh, I take people through this visualization process and I ask them where do you feel this emotion in your body yeah, so let's just say you wanted a, a boyfriend, you wanted to get married and have kids. So how would you feel and where do you feel it in your body? Say it's in your heart or it's in your throat. Um, and then it's to remember this feeling and re- remember this, this where it is in your body and then to go back regularly and feel this feeling. So it's for me to do the visualization process and to keep the feeling with that combined. Otherwise, I would say put your stereo on at home and if you've got neighbors and you can't really make a noise, I would put headphones in and I would dance to some of the music that's being played here. You know, or I would go out and I would find a local yoga studio and I would join the lo- local yoga studio or dance. Um, and I would also have a look at Lindsay's Flow meditations online and you could probably just download them and dance to her stuff at home. I think probably that's... Or kidnap Lindsay and take her in your suitcase. You could do. I mean, I do, I do. If I can't do a yoga class, I will download Baron Baptiste on YouTube and I do his Lululemon 20 minute and 45 minute or 60 minutes, depending how adventurous I am. And so I kind of feel like I, I'm in a yoga studio, but I'm in my house. So it's, 
It's all what you do with it. And it's to keep keep doing it, keep reinforcing it, you know? And then it becomes your life. If you just kind of give up and go back and then it's one year later before you do anything, then that's that's a shame, you know? I would, um, I would uh, say to people to definitely keep dancing, keep doing your yoga, keep doing your healthy eating, your healthy mindset, your visualization. And, uh, yeah, and look up. I don't know if Lindsay's got her flow online, her dance. I think she does. So, yeah, just put on YouTube and start moving your body, I guess. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing your abundance uh, theme in October. And thank you very much for making time to speak to us. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's the It's the It's the It's the 